This is St. Mary's School for Children with the Stigmata. Episode 5, Catherine House. I find Florence absolutely exhausting. Everyone does, or at least they did when we were in school. She used to prattle on and on and on about her traumatic childhood. And now I see she's added the horrific experiences of St Mary's to her repertoire. Oh, the nightmares and visions and murder. As though it happened every single day. Well, it didn't. In fact, at least the murder part only happened once that I knew of. And it was ultimately ruled an accident. Girls will be girls, you know. I'm not sure how much more attention she actually needs, but her whole situation, it confounds me. In these podcasts, or whatever they are, she portrays herself as some shrinking violet bullied mercilessly by me, Marjorie, and a sister Mary Colette, a harmless woman of God. But from my recollection of my classmate, she was a broody, needy, pain in the arse that no one liked to be around. Would you? Would you befriend someone so timid, so snivelly, so bloody, well, <laughs> bloody? She had no control of herself then. She has no control of herself now. And whilst I'll admit that my interest was piqued by the alumni group invitation, our quick chat that she recorded verbatim without our permission, by the way, is as far as the conversation ever went. I'm responding now simply because I resent the implication that we grew up abandoned, unloved and undereducated and need to set the record straight. The very idea that I am a victim of our shared circumstances is ridiculous. Would a victim record their statement from the comfort of their family's country home? Would they be sitting in a sumptuous leather chair at a large wooden desk, looking out over a setting so bucolic it could have been painted by Turner or Constable? Would they be sipping tea from a bone china mug delivered to them by their warm, wonderful housekeeper? <sighs> Perhaps. I know bad things happen to all people regardless of their situation, but personally, I'm fine. My childhood was unusual. It wasn't all bad. <sighs> Sorry, I need to attend to this. The bleeding gets worse when I work myself up. Matilda? Matilda, are you still there? Tilly, can you... Yes, thank you so much. That'll be all for now. You'd think after all these years I'd know not to become too emotional, but... What was I saying again? Ah, yes. My childhood was unusual, but it wasn't all bad. At least it wasn't for me. Florence is, as always, entitled to her version of events. On the campus of St Mary's School, 
there was a beautiful fieldstone mansion where the school's residential staff were housed. Catherine House was a grand place that had a tall, bright foyer with a large spiral staircase and an elegant chandelier that hung from the centre of an ornate ceiling medallion. Wide plank oak floors and stately fireplaces were nothing short of the showpieces of every one of its cavernous rooms. The furniture was all antique that perfectly matched each Persian rug underfoot. The west side of the home, the side with the best and sunniest windows, had a small chapel where we attended mass. Like the other rooms in the house, it was stunning. The hand-carved wooden altar, the deep, plush scarlet rugs, the small Byzantine mosaic modelled on the works at the basilica. Oh, I used to spend hours there reading or doing homework just to be in the space. Though we were blessed children, we happily participated in the long monastic tradition of communal living as we were able. We worked together in the kitchen and the vegetable patch to make our meals. We dined and prayed with the staff. We spent countless hours in our sprawling garden when the weather was good, and when it wasn't, we would bowl with Sister Mary Colette in a private alley in the basement. If it sounds as though I know each room in this house as though it were mine, it's because, in a way, it was. The Catherine House restoration was my family's gift to St Mary's School and my legacy as a student. Though everyone calls me Katrina, my first name is actually Catherine. After my mother and her mother and her mother, well, <laughs> you get the idea. I got the nickname from my father, a nod to his German ancestry. These days, I live here at... Location redacted, with my mother. My father is in... Location redacted, on business most of the time. And my brothers, now mostly grown, dote on me when they come home for holidays. I also have Matilda, and every once in a while, thanks to a VPN and what I assume is apathy from the church, I video chat with Marjorie. They're the only ones, aside from Florence, and I suppose now Inez and her ilk, that even know I exist. I suppose it would have been nice to do the things that normal people do, but over the years I've come to understand that normal is not my purpose. Of course, it's all a bit lonely, but who isn't lonely? especially now. Who's to say a normal life would have made me any happier? The night that Florence talked about in her latest dispatch is hazy for me, but yes, I can confirm that we experience ecstatic visions even now. I can also confirm that they tend towards the terrifying. I don't remember asking for help or a contortion of my body, but I also can't dispel it. I do, however, remember the vision. I always remember the vision. Good morning, ladies. Good morning, Good morning Sister, Mary, Sister Mary, Colette. Mary Colette. I trust everyone is feeling better today. Yes, yes Sister, Sister Mary, Mary Colette. I'm glad to hear it. I wanted to begin today's lessons with a discussion about Padre Pio, from what I gather from this week's outbursts. Some of you have been questioning the nature and validity of your blessings, and I think by examining his story, you will more deeply understand your own. Sister Mary Collette? Yes, Katrina? Didn't people think Padre Pio was a 
fake? That he used acid to burn his own hands to make the wound seem real? They did. But what did Pope John Paul II have to say about that? That the wounds were real. That he was a real saint. Ah, very good, Florence. Now, all of you, what do you think that tells all of us about our journey as stigmatists? Let me put this a different way. Do you think that not believing that someone is blessed has any bearing on whether or not the person actually is? Do we see any of this kind of behavior in our own community? We all knew what she was alluding to, but none of us were brave enough to say it. <laughs> we're awfully quiet today. Thought it would be nice to have a discussion about this topic in depth. I suppose I'll just count my blessings and dive right into our lessons. I felt the anger building back up inside of me. Open your journals. We'll begin with today's prompt. Ralph Waldo Emerson once wrote, All I have seen teaches me to trust the Creator for all I have not seen. What do you think he means? How is this quote relevant to your life? If it's not, why not? I'll need a full page from each of you on this topic. You have 15 minutes. Starting now. And the anger never really went away. Why do teachers always do that? Do what? Try to get us to talk about our feelings without just asking us. They think we're so stupid, it's insulting. I guess. It's like a journal topic. Are you fucking joking? You want to do group therapy instead? Oh, that's not what I'm saying at all. Because the way I see it, that's where we're headed if we can't keep our thoughts to ourselves. Yeah, but... But nothing. Does it even matter if Timothy's faking it? The joke's on them, not on us. Of course it does. It means we all have these wounds and all these restrictions, but he gets to be the most holy, the most special, and he gets to look normal. It'll be a matter of time before they trot him out whilst we're all sitting here waiting for... what? I don't know. Look at them. Florence and Timothy. No, gross. I'm eating. Look, Marjorie. Okay, okay, I'm looking. The way they are with each other. What do you think's going on? I don't know, but she better be careful. You can lose your wounds for impure thoughts. I think she believes him. <laughs> of course she does. She'll believe anything. No, I mean really believes him. That he's not faking it. Well, what if he's not? We have to find out for sure. I'm sure everyone from his parish priest to the Pope already has. There is nothing for us to find out, Katrina. He needs to prove it. And how do we get him to do that, exactly? I have an idea. No. Will you help me, please? I pleaded with her. I can't do it alone. She was quiet for a moment. Katrina, what happened to you last night? I remembered the vision, but I said nothing. Tell me what you're planning to do. I'm standing in a large open field. I've been there for some time. The skies are grey, and the ground is muddy. 
I'm holding a scythe. From the corner of my eye, I see a golden field, sun-soaked and tall with wheat across the expanse. I walk towards it, my bare feet sinking into the ground with every step. When I get there, I reach for the grips on the scythe and begin to swing. The wheat tumbles as if in slow motion to the ground, and the sweat beads on my forehead. I make it to the end of the field, a hard day's work complete. I turn around to begin bundling the stalks, but when I do, I see the bodies of small-skinned animals lined up in perfect rows. No, I scream. I bend down to inspect them. No, no. The sky goes black. Behind me, I hear the sound of heavy, plodding footsteps. The sucking sound of a boot coming out of the mud. And I don't look back to see what's coming. But instead, look up and beg God to help me. Thank you for listening to this episode of St. Mary's School for Children with the Stigmata. If you enjoyed this chapter, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. If you'd like to support this podcast so we can keep making more episodes, click the support link in the show notes. To learn more about this and all our projects, visit our website, newgirlpictures.com.